As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One. Series tied at two apiece. Marcus Smart goes to the rack and blocked by Drew Holiday. He throws it off Smart. Milwaukee ball. What a play by Drew Holiday. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Dave DeFore. Here with Law Murray for your Thursday update. Before we start, don't forget, you can get this pod ad-free by subscribing at theathletic.com slash NBA show. All right, Law, big night. We were actually worried we were going to have maybe a blowout and a series over. We got a blowout and a series extended, but the other way, and then we had the Bucks and Celtics and the the Bucks steal one, and we're going to start there in Boston because... We have to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm going to say they stole it. 110-107, they take a 3-2 series lead. Law, this was a hell of a game, and it just continues the chaos that we've been witnessing for like the last, I don't know, 97 minutes of this series? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they literally did steal the game. I mean, how Drew Holiday ended it with, a block on the defensive player of the year, and then a steal from the defensive player of the year to seal it. That, that was poetic. That was, that, was, that was amazing. But you're looking at that fourth quarter, and, the, and you look at the trends of this series and how Boston has, for the most part, they've outplayed the Bucks in the fourth quarters of these series. And then you see Boston leading by 14 at home, and you're just thinking, all right, well, the Bucks are going to be in the same situation they were in last year when Kevin Durant kind of ran up on them in that game five. And that series was going back to Milwaukee with the Nets up 3-2. That was, that was last year. You were thinking the Bucs are about to be in that situation. I was shocked by how they were able to basically play their best fourth quarter in a, in a while. Because it's not like they had to play fourth quarters against the Chicago Bulls. Like, they didn't have to worry about that in that series. This was this was a, a just an incredible fourth quarter for them in a very hostile moment 
um, very tense moments. And to be able to to be able to steal that game and to possibly close this thing out Friday night in Milwaukee. Just didn't see it coming, Dave. Yeah, I, look, I, I thought Boston had kind of figured things out uh, after game four. It, they just looked like the better team, looked more like the Celtics that we had seen sort of run through the league since February. Uh, but we got to start uh, with a couple of, to me, iconic moments from the game. And you mentioned Drew Holiday with the big block. It was more than that, man. He also collects the block, lands in bounds, and then as he's falling out of bounds, he bounces the ball off Marcus Smart to get possession for the Bucks. This is one of the best defensive plays, in particular given the, the time and score and moment in a playoff series. That And frankly, this is a game I, I thought the Bucks couldn't afford to lose once they got it close like that. They needed to steal this game. And I just thought that play in and of itself was one of the most special defensive plays I can remember defensively. Holding holding a one-point lead that they only got the one-point lead because Giannis steps to the free-throw line, makes his first, and we all know what to deal with Giannis and his free-throw shooting, makes the first, misses the second. Bobby Portis puts the put puts the ball back in there. It's which again, it's funny when you watch this series because what happened at the end of game three. Boston misses a free throw, had chances down by two to tie it, and they can't do it. Milwaukee's able to convert on a putback, and that sets up coming out of a timeout. Like the Celtics had a timeout, 11.4 left, and what Drew was able to do, that sequence that you described, Dave, to block it, to rebound it, to save it, to get the timeout so that they can advance it, knowing that they were going to have to foul. It was it was incredible. and. It, and Drew wasn't done. Drew wasn't done. That wasn't even the start of what Drew did because Drew, he also had one of those three pointers to help cut into the lead in the last minute of the game. Yeah, and I, I the other iconic image from this game for me is going to be bloody Giannis. Giannis had 40 points in this game. By the way, it goes to show how much I love defense that I led with Drew here. But Giannis has 40 points, 11 rebounds, and one bloody eye. And somehow, Law, he was sticking the jumper. Man, if you watch this game on TV, you heard Stan Van Gundy, who has obviously had the coach against Giannis, right? Killing this dude every time he rose up for a jump shot. He's like, man, it is a gift. Every time Giannis doesn't take it into the paint, every time he shoots a three-pointer. And you know what? For a while, that was true. And then Giannis goes and sticks two threes in his game, including one in clutch time when, I mean, they were down, they were down six. They, they were down six, and Giannis rises up confidently and shoots that shot. Now, Dave, I, I really wanted to get your opinion on why and, and the process of Giannis shooting those shots because all those practice shots that he gets with all the feet of space in the world, it really paid off in the, with 100 seconds left to go in this game. I mean, look, we could talk around it, but the truth is it's kind of random, isn't it? When he's in rhythm, that jumper looks good. It's just that so often he gets thrown out of rhythm. That second free throw that he missed is an, an example of him being like kind of out of rhythm. Exactly. And so when he just walks into the jump shot, it's not that bad. When he makes his threes nine times out of ten, it's because they're in rhythm. And so I liked seeing him comfortable down the stretch. I mean, it, it, especially because 
he has struggled to get the ball in the basket. Even though he's scoring, he still has not shot the ball well for, for Giannis, a guy who really lays the ball in the basket 70% of the time. Uh, he hasn't, his field goal percentage has kind of been down in this series. I think Boston's done a good job being physical with him, putting a body on him all the time. And it still doesn't matter most of the time. He had 40 in this game. He was 16 and 27 from the field. Um, he's the best player in the world. There's not a whole lot you can do. And if that jumper's going to fall, okay, well, I guess they're going to win the title again, right? Like, there's not much you can do. And you mentioned Bobby Portis with the big rebound and the putback, the offensive rebound from him. That was one of the seven offensive rebounds that he had in the game. The Bucs had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth, and Boston only had six rebounds total. The Bucs had 17 offensive rebounds Boston only had five. It was a possession game that that Boston lost, and they didn't shoot the lights out. They were only 10 of 31 from three. You know, uh, Jason Tatum was great. Jalen Brown was great. They didn't get a lot from anybody else. Al Horford, kind of a quiet night compared to what, you know, what we just saw from him. Uh, Al Horford only played his age tonight. <laughs> That's right. And uh, they didn't get anything from Grant Williams. I mean, Daniel Tice had 11 points off the bench, I and mean, that was the kind of night that it was for, for Boston. And if they had just gotten a little bit more from Horford, uh, I mean, they got 15 from Smart, and it wasn't like it was a bad game, but just felt like they were kind of one guy short tonight. Uh, they they tried out the rotation that worked so well for them, Law, in Game 4 and didn't work out the same way in Game 5. Yeah, and a lot of it was ball control. Uh, and it's shocking when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and what they give you defensively, they allow all the threes above the break, especially the, the most threes in the league. Uh, that's often been how Boston has gotten into, um, gotten their wins in this series. Uh, and then you look at this fourth quarter. They didn't attempt a single three-pointer in the fourth quarter. There was a lot of talk about after the game about how things stagnated. They slowed down. They didn't move the ball as well. I mean, they got good shots inside the arc. They made eight out of 16 shots inside the arc in that fourth quarter. But when you combine the fact that they didn't get any, any three point shots up and then they didn't value the basketball and then you're losing possessions on the other end because you're not securing your defensive glass. They lost this game on possessions, Dave. They had a big lead and they basically kept on. If you're watching a football game, it's like a team going three and out repeatedly. That's what that's what this was like. Milwaukee got extra chances, literally extra chances to cut into that lead. And it was a second chance point that allowed them to take the that allowed them to make the last go ahead field goal. And then in the end, Boston still had their chances and they didn't get shots off. They got one shot blocked and then Marcus loses it in his own backcourt. Well, as uh, as the uh, announcers love to remind us, teams that win game five tend to win like 85% of the series from there on out. So the Bucks certainly are in the driver's seat. Game six is going to be Friday night. There's no predicting the series at this point. Everybody, it's it's too much chaos. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it doesn't seem like either one of these teams are all that interested in winning consecutive games anyway. So that's really what we've gotten. The, the Bucks have won the odd number of games so far. And then you've got the Celtics responding each time. So naturally, the pattern suggests that we're going to get a game seven because 
the Celtics are going to go and respond. And hey, I'm just enjoying this. We this was the only game five that was close. <laughs> if you look at the other three series in the semifinals. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And in the late game law, uh, the Grizzlies played a hell of a basketball game. And the Golden State Warriors, I think, just stayed in the Bay Area. Uh, the Grizzlies just stomped. They trounced. They dog walked. They windshielded the Golden State Warriors 134 to 95. Um, this was an absolutely embarrassing performance from the Golden State Warriors. But I want to start with the forcefulness of the Memphis Grizzlies. They were fantastic in this game, establishing the tone right away. They came out throwing punches, and it, and they just didn't stop. And, and I thought Steven Adams right off the bat was was a catalyst to the physicality and to their, their opening salvo offensively. I'm upset if I'm the Grizzlies. I'm upset because they should be going back to Golden State at least, at least with a 3-2 lead not down 3-2. They shouldn't have been down 3-1. Dave, they've led at the end of each first quarter of this series. That's five games, and they've led by double digits in all, well, in all of them. In all, all, every game of this series, they've led by double digits at some point. They led at the end of every first quarter. So, yes, they had to set a different tone coming. They're facing elimination for the first time this postseason. You're at home. You got to respond, obviously, to the way that game four ended, to really how game three w- went overall. I mean, they did this in game four. Steven Adams got back in the, in, in the starting lineup. We knew they weren't playing without Ja. They played a complete game for like 40 minutes in game four. And then they just didn't finish. They kept fouling. They played poor basketball. They found themselves in 3-1 hole. So... If you watch the Memphis Grizzlies all season, this was the Memphis Grizzlies team that looked like an 80% win team without Ja Morant, that beat teams by 25 points more than any other team in the league, that looked at the Minnesota Timberwolves when they were down in games in that series and repeatedly came back. So, I mean, yeah, they were physical. They won the possession battle. That's what they do, Dave. They just did it at a high level against a team that we thought was going to actually show up and close them out because that's what the narrative is. All the three-time champs, like, this is what y'all do. 
they weren't serious tonight and the Grizzlies were, but it's really unfortunate that the Grizzlies have to do this two more times and they have no margin of error because of how they handled the previous games in this series. Yeah, 18 offensive rebounds, 19 more shots, just 19 more shots overall for the Grizzlies than the Warriors in this game. And I'm going to talk about the Warriors turnovers because they were god-awful. 22 turnovers, 29 points off those turnovers for the Grizzlies. Just an absolute embarrassing. I mean, you mentioned earlier, you used one of my favorite terms, valuing the basketball. The Golden State Warriors put no value whatsoever on the basketball tonight. Draymond Green was atrocious for them. Five turnovers and only 22 minutes. I I don't know what exactly was happening tonight. And mind you, all of the any any relevant number that comes out of this game was from the first three quarters. We had an entire fourth quarter of throwaway basketball. Like the Grizzlies were up 55 points before the third quarter was over. Okay. So in a lot of ways, we looked at how the Warriors spanked the Nuggets. The Nuggets defense is one of the most comfortable defenses in the league to play against. And so for a Warriors team that spent the entire regular season throwing the ball away, we probably lost track of the fact that that's what the Warriors do. Like the Warriors, they will give you the ball. That's why their offense for most of the season was hovering around league average, especially after starting 18 and two or whatever it was. The Warriors will donate possessions to you. Now, the Nuggets obviously weren't equipped to take advantage of that. The Grizzlies absolutely are. And that's what we've seen for most of this series. Like the Grizzlies, especially with John not on the floor, like that's what they do. They take the ball away. And it was just extreme. It was extreme on Wednesday night. So a lot of this was a Memphis Grizzlies game. If you look at what Memphis does well, this was like, oh, that's the profile of a team. Like that is how they win. They don't win by out shooting you or because they overwhelm you with their offense. They overwhelm you because they just are going to wind up taking a whole lot more shots than you. And how do you do that? They control the glass which they hadn't done earlier in this series, mostly because Steven Adams wasn't a part of it. Now, all of a sudden, Steven Adams shows up, and he's got more offensive rebounds and buckets. That's what he does. And now you mix in the defensive part of it. Again, I'm mad if I'm the Grizzlies, because it's like, that's how y'all got the number two seed. But if I'm the Warriors and I'm thinking about adjustments, I look at the fact that you didn't target Steven Adams offensively you didn't try to get him into the pick and roll with Steph and Draymond you, you really they didn't go at him I mean the, the sloppiness was off the charts and it was a lot of stuff that you know I don't want to take away from what Memphis did defensively because I think Jaron Jackson was spectacular especially a couple of those possessions where things started to kind of get frantic and you just see him flying all over the place and finishing with a block um, but the Warriors did themselves no favors they were throwing the ball away often through no pressure from anyone. I mean, there was a a lead pass from Draymond to Clay Thompson that was just thrown out of bounds, essentially. I mean, it's just it was a sloppy performance for them. I don't think we can expect a follow-up sloppy performance like this from the Warriors. But as you said, Memphis has no margin for error. They have to come out and they have to bring the same intensity every single time. The Warriors have shown that they're going to play around early. This is not the first game yep. that they've done this whole thing where they just don't look serious to start the game. And when the switch won't flip, then what? I mean, look, this is a team that frankly has some ghosts, right? Three, one ghosts. 
Yeah. You think they're sweating at all? I think that game six is a lot more interesting than a lot of people are, would have would have said if this was just a normal, you know, margin of error or margin of victory for, for the Grizzlies. Um, because remember, Golden State doesn't have home court advantage in this series. So it's different when you're the team with the original home court advantage and you fall down 3-1. The formula is respond get a win in that game five Memphis did that to one of the highest levels you can possibly do it. Right. Now you have momentum going into their building and they can compete there. They just did it in game four. They just didn't finish. And again, we're all expecting Golden State to win the series, but damn it. If this thing, if, if Memphis can play a complete game, which again, we, we know that they can win the offense, the, the rebound battle, the turnover battle. Golden State doesn't need to panic because they got enough guys who can who can get it done. And quite frankly, Golden State hasn't been in the playoffs in a while anyway. <laughs> so it's been a while since they've even had any real pressure. People ain't going to talk about that. But I'm fascinated with game six because they mess around the force of game seven. And we're going to talk about that 2016-3-1 a little bit more probably. I mean, I would not want to go into Memphis for a game seven. It seemed pretty rowdy. It's a long in there flight, in Dave. Game five. That is a long flight. And well, I guess if you're flying charter, it's it's direct. It doesn't matter. That's gonna do it for today's show, folks. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Wow. Let's get out of here. Ding ding. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.